Well, good morning to everyone, and uh, I'm grateful that we can be together here in this way this morning. Um, I was telling Nate, and I told Ivan this a couple weeks ago as well, when I I preached in this way, is that I actually hate preaching online like this, um, I, or I, sh I don't enjoy it at all. Uh, and here I get to do it again. Uh, but then I was also thinking, but it is a privilege that we're able to meet in this way. And um, so there's blessing in it as well, and I don't want to uh, negate that in any way. <clears throat> Nate mentioned a bit, last fall I was asked to speak at a church in Ohio four times over uh, a weekend sometime in February, and I decided to accept that after consulting with several other people and my wife and so forth. And so that's where I plan to be next weekend, uh, is at Shalom Christian Fellowship in the Holmes County area. They requested that the theme of the weekend be focused on leadership, and both uh, somewhat related to church leadership because they're planning an ordination within the next month or so. But beyond that, also uh, just simply focused on general leadership in the home um, and other areas and so forth. And so, um, like Nate said this morning, I'm going to let you in on one of the four messages that I've been preparing. And it's been good for me, and it was one of the reasons I decided to go ahead and, and take this assignment, is that it has, I've learned a lot, and I have been convicted, I've repented, and I certainly don't claim to have it all figured out, but it's been an area that I have focused on in ways that I simply would not have had, that I wouldn't have otherwise without this assignment. So um, I'm I'm hoping that it can be uh, beneficial for you all here this morning, um, even though obviously it was not put together with you all in mind, I, I, I believe it is relevant. It's the type of thing that I probably would not be quick to just preach this kind of a sermon here um, otherwise. But anyway, um, I'm also very grateful that uh, I just, I mentioned that I'm glad we can get together in this way this morning. And it's uh, kind of a treat that my mom is actually joining us from Kansas this morning as well. They, their church was canceled due to snow and cold, sub-zero weather. So um, I'm delighted that she can be joining us here uh, this morning as well. Also just wanted to mention, Nate, uh, I, plan to turn it back over to you to close out the service uh, at the end and just to give you a bit of a heads up here. So the four sermons that I've been working on um, for out there is um, their titles at this point are Act Like Men, Leaders Have Limits, Leaders Are Servants, and Character Matters. Um, and so this morning I'm going to talk on the one about limits. And I'm going to be opening myself in some rather uncomfortable ways uh, this morning by focusing on limits that God has put in place for each one of us. And I have increasingly been becoming aware of my own limits um, as a mortal human living in finite time and space. Uh, I had more than three months to prepare for these four sermons, 
I had planned to take several days early this in January to focus on and prepare for this weekend, but then some other things came up and that did not work out. And suddenly I was asking myself, where in the world do I find the time to prepare? And so literally I was facing the limitations of my own schedule. And um, while the this uh, sermon has been prepared from the perspective of of a leader for leaders and their limits, the bottom line is that we all have limits. And there are certainly aspects of this that applies to each and every believer. God has simply designed humanity, and that's all of us, with parameters in which we must operate. You know, whether we're a newborn, a bored teenager, the most intelligent person you know, or the most powerful person you know, to the oldest person you know, it doesn't matter the culture, and it doesn't matter at what point in the history of the world, every human being lives their life within these limits, or these parameters that God designed from the very beginning. And um, and so that's, that's my focus here uh, this morning, and I uh, want to take a look at a few um, few aspects. And so I've, I've entitled this morning, Leaders Have Limits. <clears throat> and what is true for every human being is certainly true for every leader, including church leaders, and maybe even more so. Um, not sure, but uh, there's times when I, and I would even say we as a human race, we as people, are guilty of disregarding those God-designed limits to advance what we consider is legitimate work, whether it's within the church or beyond. And while these limits exist, it's not always easy to recognize when we make a choice to ignore them or to pursue our own ambitions. And quite likely, it's easier to see when this happens in another person than in myself as well. But everyone and everything has been designed by God, as we read about in Psalm 33 a little while ago, but with limits. And it never works, never results in anything good to attempt to live or minister or lead outside the boundaries that God has established. There certainly are implications uh, and consequences for ignoring limits as well. When we go against God's design, there's going to be adverse results. Maybe not immediately, but eventually it will catch up with us. And some of us need to simply be more honest about ourselves and with ourselves about the limits that God has for us. We shouldn't pretend they don't exist because ignoring them doesn't change them or eliminate them. And I think there's two major contributing factors that lead or that influence or that affect leaders in particular disregarding limits. And I'm sure there's others as well, but two of them I feel are very significant. The first one is that is the expectations that we put on ourselves. Um, we try to do more than we should a lot of times, and uh, and we simply put those expectations on ourselves. But then the other is related to that as well, 
it's uh, the, the expectations that others have of us or that they put on us. And um, both of these are very deceptive and unreliable gauges by which to operate and to stay within the limits that God so graciously put in place. And regardless of what you actually believe about yourself, whether you're a leader, uh, a church leader, or a business leader, or a husband, or a father, um, or any disciple of Jesus Christ, for that matter. There's four things that we simply need to know and remind ourselves. We don't know everything. We can't do everything. We're not completely mature, and we don't have endless energy. Those are just simply realities. And so I want to spend some time focusing on four limits that I have identified. Um, certainly not saying they're the only four, uh, but, and I'm going to be considering this primarily from a church leader perspective, although it's it goes way beyond that as well. Uh, but that's uh, coming from my experience. And so I want to um, to look at it a bit from that perspective. The beauty is that the limits that God has put in place in no way reduce what God can and wants to do through us. However, if we deny these limits and rely on ourselves, I believe that we can actually limit what God can and wants to do through us. And so recognizing these limits is, is important in really becoming and being who God wants us to be and for him to accomplish what he wants. So the first uh, aspect I want to look at is that leaders have limited gifts. All leaders are empowered with spiritual gifts um, that are designed to build up and to strengthen the body of Christ, the church, and, and it's to do so together. And we read about that both in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 and um, a couple of other places as well. But we have each been given a gift. But what's interesting is, well, let's look at Ephesians 4, uh, verses 11 and 12. Gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. He didn't give anyone all of these gifts. He gave everyone one primary one. And, and I think that we need to remember that. And it is for the building up of the church. But it is not, there's simply the very design of the church and the, the various spiritual gifts includes limits. First um, Corinthians 12 makes this very clear. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where were the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Members and people with their giftedness have unique gifts. Um, and they simply can't do 
other things. And it's not that they're inferior in any way, but the eye of a body cannot pick up an object. Neither can the hand see as hard as it may try. And a foot certainly can't taste, but the tongue isn't beneficial at all in helping us walk. And so the design of the body of Christ is such that each and every member is important in completing the whole and making it function. Literally no part can do it alone, and that includes the leader. No leader is designed to function alone, to be a solo leader. Every leader has to rely on the giftedness of others to really have a proper perspective that would be impossible without the insights and the gifts of, from others. And unfortunately, uh, in our culture, in the church and so forth, the glamorization of the megachurch and a celebrity pastor has elevated, and I would say even idolized, these charismatic, influential, and domineering leaders who refuse to work within their limits of their gifts and basically disregard or disrespect the God-given gifts of fellow leaders around them. They, they consume the limelight. They, they want to be front and center, and they want to be looked up to as having it together. Um, and the healthy plural ministry is a very practical way of embracing our own limits while valuing other gifts. And I am just want to take this opportunity to again express extreme gratitude for the team that God has placed in this church uh, to work together with to bring the gifts that I lack. And I uh, certainly appreciate that. And just because we have been given a gift doesn't make us self-sufficient in that area, but it rather reveals our own neediness and dependency on others in other areas. And it's so sad and disturbing when you see leaders who use their gifts to hog and to accumulate the power and the influence um, to be leveraged that they want to use them for their own benefit. <clears throat> With leadership, there comes greater responsibilities as well. And this is true for church leaders, but I think it's true even in other areas of life as well, as with leadership comes greater responsibilities. James 3.1 uh, says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Um, and then in Luke 12.48, But uh, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him whom they entrusted much, they will demand more, the more. We're going to be held accountable for how we have used or misused the gifts that God gave us in proportion to what we have been given. We're not going to be held accountable for anything more, but neither are we going to be held accountable for anything less. And so being dismissive or disregarding the gift God has given us is both dangerous and irresponsible. It shows an attitude of arrogance in a lot of ways. And spiritual gifts are, are not a doorway to entitlement, but they are a call to a path that is going to be treacherous at times. And, um, and church leadership certainly brings uh, unique types 
and severities of uh, temptations that uh, church leaders face is is unique. Uh, there's a book that was written several years ago called uh, Dangerous Calling uh, about the dangers of being in church leadership, of being a pastor, uh, and the dangers that are faced. That And what's interesting are, and almost alarming is that three of the six endorsements on the back of the book are people that have, are church leaders who have either walked away from the faith or have found to be living in sexual immorality and have resigned or been fired from their positions. And it just highlights the uh, treachery or the the danger that church leaders uh, face in a lot of ways. <clears throat> and that can come, you know, from gushing adoration to the harshest criticism. Um, and then public ministry can will tempt leaders to neglect private spiritual disciplines. Giftedness may get conflated with spiritual maturity. Yeah, they're not the same. Just because we're a gifted speaker does not mean we are spiritually mature. And no leader is certainly gifted in any way, in every way. God designed the church body to function best when we re recognize the limits that he's given us and discover ways in which those limits are overcome with the gifts of others in the church. Our gifts and abilities are most effective when they are viewed as one piece of the puzzle rather than the complete solution. And so when leadership, when leaders humbly recognize the limits of their own gifts and then cultivates a culture of respect and appreciation of other gifts, that cooperation and those mutual accomplishments is going to be empowering to, to everyone. The second aspect that I want to look at here is that leaders have limited time. Genesis 1-1 starts in the beginning. And literally, beginning means the beginning of time. In the beginning, God created time. Before this phrase before this time, in the beginning, there literally was no time, only eternity passed. And all of creation is subject to the limitation of time. It's been established. We have no ability to modify it or escape that reality. Uh, we are consuming it second by second. In the creation story, God lays out a structure of a seven-day week which includes a Sabbath rest. It's not that God needed that structure, but rather he was showing mankind what's best for them. It's interesting, throughout history, several cultures have attempted to modify the length of the week uh, because the, they just didn't like the seven-day week for whatever reason. During the French Revolution, the French Republican calendar was adopted. And this calendar was based on a 10-day week nine workdays, and then the 10th day was a day of rest. And this calendar never really caught on, but it was used in France uh, for a period of time, uh, even though it only lasted, well, it lasted less than 12 years, from 1793 to 1805. But even in that secular culture, if you will, or for secular reasons, God's original plan 
original design has prevailed. There's six days of work followed by a day of rest. Our physical bodies simply are not designed to function in a 24-7 environment. We have to have periodic rest. We live in an extremely fast-paced culture where inventions and technology are attempts to circumvent these God-designed limits of 24-hour days and seven-day weeks. We have so many time-saving tools today compared to 100 years ago, yet we're busier than ever. And none of these tools really save time in that you, we can't put them in a bank account to use at a later time. We can just simply do more in less time. Um, and I'm as guilty as anyone, but in our 21st century, it's almost socially unacceptable to admit to someone that you're not busy. And I'm not saying that we aren't busy because we are busy and many of us are too busy. And I'm not convinced that busyness is really God honoring. We're attempting to push beyond the limits of time that God designed uh, for us. Ephesians 5 talks about this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We're to redeem the time, make the best use of it, spend it wisely. And God set these limits of time for our own good. He knows whom he created. He knows how we're designed to live. And he doesn't require any more of us than what we're capable of doing in the time that he's given us. His limits on our time or in other areas as well reveal his wisdom as well as his love for us. His limits are not a prison to put us into and to break free from, but rather it's the grace of God for us. And leaders, and especially church leaders and business leaders, need to stop and carefully consider how to effectively operate within the time limits that God has put in place since creation. Now, I can't keep adding more and more to my plate and truly believe that I'm capable of acting as if God's limits don't apply to me when it comes to time. And it's interesting that the time limits were actually established at creation before the fall. This is not something that's because of our sinful humanity. Rather, uh, it, was, it was part of original creation. Jesus, even though he was sinless, he lived in this sinful world for 33 years. And when you look at his ministry, there's some amazing observations we can make about his life in an era before cars, planes, smartphones, or the Internet. Jesus was never rushed yet he was always on time. He spent significant amounts of time in prayer, sometimes entire nights. He spent meaningful time with his disciples and other people. And perhaps the most amazing thing is that he fully accomplished what God the Father sent him to do. And so we have these and, you know, and so if these limits, if these time limits, including the Sabbath day of rest, were important and significant to Adam and Eve prior to the fall and to Jesus while he was living here on this world, what does it reveal about us when we disregard or ignore them in our own lives? Sin causes us, our sinful nature causes us to deny the limits and the boundaries that God so graciously set in place for our benefit and for our good. 
And really, sin tempts us to think we know better, and we don't need what God already knows that we need, we all need. I'd like to think about this briefly in, in with three circles, and this and analogies like this have their limitations, and this certainly does, but I think it gives you a little bit of an idea or a picture of what I'm I'm referring to here. So picture three circles that basically encompass your life. Um, your spiritual life is the personal aspect of your personal worship, devotions, spiritual disciplines, and so forth. Um, the relational life is um, your relationships with other people, marriage, parenting, the body of Christ, friends and neighbors, uh, and such life. And then vocational life is your career, and uh, church leadership, preaching, ministry, and serving. And so think about it, just those three areas. And they're equally important. Uh, I'm not saying that any one of these is far more important than others, and yet we're restricted to 24 hours per day and seven days per week. <clears throat> so how do we live our lives? So a way of thinking about this is so we have the restrictions of a 24-hour day or a seven-day week, and these circles have to fit within that uh, those limit that time limitation. How is it that we live our lives? Does the time that we spend in these areas do they? Uh, I'm not saying they always they have to be equal. In reality, they probably can't. But are they? Uh, are they to the degree that they should be? And the reality is when one grows bigger, the others have to grow smaller because we're living within the reality of time and uh, we're restricted by time boundaries. And so the more time we spend in church leadership, for example, one's marriage and family will suffer as well as one's personal spiritual life. And, you know, and that's an example of, you know, that I can express has been true and I've been guilty of over the last 24 years that I've been ordained, neglecting some things in order to do other things. And as church leaders, I think we have to be careful that we do what God wants us to do within the time limits that he has established. He doesn't expect more. So trying harder, doing more only perpetuates both the unreal expectations I have of myself and what others have of me, and as well as other uh, bad fruit that goes with that. And I believe that that is possible. The boundaries of time are another reason it's hard, uh, I, that I believe is uh, why shared church leadership, where there's no lone leader attempting to do more than what he was designed to do, is, is really what God calls us to. And with the bivocational model of church leadership, which we have, this becomes even more important. Because for me, one of the biggest challenges in my ministry has been the inability to take another day of rest uh, each week when I'm preaching on Sunday. For pastors, preaching is another day of work. Um, and over the years, I've seen the negative effect of attempting to continue without a Sabbath break. There's a price you pay when you ignore what God has established. That's the way he created us. And I certainly haven't figured it all out, but I am more and more aware, um, and, and I'm also open to options of how that can and should work. So several questions, you know, are churches 
expecting more of their leaders than what they can do within the time limits that God has given each one of us. And then are there are churches willing to make necessary adjustments to empower the church leaders to thrive in their responsibilities? And then as you consider God ordained limits of time, what changes are needed personally within the church, within church leadership? Just some things to think about. The third aspect is that of um, limited energy. We also have finite amounts of energy combined with inherent limitations of gifts and abilities and our time restraints, but we also have the grace of God. And everything I am and do is shaped by the fact that I am both a spiritual and a physical being. And we hear a lot about spiritual health in the church, but very little about physical health. And leaders should care about each other's physical health as much as they do spiritual health. It shouldn't be taboo, and it shouldn't be viewed as intrusive. And um, and it seems like this is one area where church leaders are called to love and pastor each other. It's an area which I definitely need to improve in so many ways. And I suspect my wife and children are saying, I've been, we've been trying to tell you this, and that is uh, actually true as well. But Paul actually ties our physical well-being to the gospel message. In 1 Corinthians 9, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only receive one prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but weak and imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He calls believers and leaders to control their physical bodies. Control them from what or for what? We are to bring control to our physical bodies in order to eliminate any possible hindrance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How could our physical bodies do that? Well, while we're here in this life, our hearts have competing passions. And a passion for food may detract us from investing in good preparation for preaching the gospel. Um, discipline in the areas of diet and exercise translate into a more disciplined life in other areas of responsibility and leadership. Paul is calling each one of us to control our bodies by saying no to our physical passions and desires so that we can better run the spiritual race that we've been called to run and finish without disqualification. And to me, it's clear that this is not just a diet and exercise issue, but it's rather identifying those things, those obstacles, maybe idols in our heart that detract us from what God has called us to. Stewardship, while we usually think of that as financial, it also includes stewarding our physical health. question I had to ask myself is how much is poor stewardship of church leaders' health contributing to a diminished level of ministry effectiveness? And so I want to be the first to admit that this is an area that I've struggled and I continue to do so. It's so easy. It's too easy. 
to make excuses about not having the time to do what we know we should, but it's really only an excuse. And while I know that regular exercise boosts and builds energy, I still find it difficult to discipline myself to invest in my own health when I'm overwhelmed with deadlines and difficult challenges. And yet that's probably when I need it most. So if we truly love our Redeemer and Savior, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't that motivate us to eat with discipline, to exercise regularly, and to get adequate rest? Leaders are examples to others. They model a life that others should emulate. And I certainly desire to run the race being the church leader God wants me to be and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're designed and created by God with both physical and spiritual dimensions, and leaders should care about their fellow leaders' well-being in these areas as well. While we have finite amounts of energy, we can maximize the energy we've been given by stewarding our physical health. That's an area that I believe that all leaders, all believers can encourage each other in and be faithful and intentional in all aspects of life. The fourth aspect is that leaders have limited maturity. Every leader and every believer has limited spiritual maturity, regardless of how they may portray themselves or even what they may think about themselves. The good news is that we can continually grow. We may grow old, but we never fully mature spiritually. Uh, I like the analogy of a tree. A tree never quits growing until it dies. Now, some trees grow much bigger or much faster than those around them, but none of them ever arrives at full maturity. There's no such thing as full maturity in a tree. What leaders um, in particular need to recognize is that each and every one of us, including myself, are continuously being sanctified day by day. It doesn't matter how much experience, how much training, how much study, how much intellectual capacity, we will continue to need spiritual nourishment to grow and develop. And the reality is that each one of us, I don't care who we are, we all have blind spots, and that includes me. There are those areas of our life that we simply don't see for what it really is. And we need loving brothers and sisters to help us become aware of these blind spots so we can work on them. We all have areas that we're susceptible to, that we're most susceptible to temptation. And leaders have the responsibility, especially to each other, but it's true everywhere, to be honest, to confront, to challenge, to encourage, all for the sake of helping each other continue to grow. We need to welcome those uncomfortable interactions with our team, recognizing it for what it is. It's brothers helping us grow to help us see what we're unable to or unwilling to see or that we've simply ignored. And while I'm talking about church leaders in this context, the reality is that we should be, this should be happening between brothers and between sisters throughout the church. But if the leaders aren't setting an example, uh, it's unlikely it's to be happening any more broadly. Another, the one anothering uh, concept is uniquely Christian. 
the idea of loving and forgiving and sharing and giving and encouraging, challenging, confronting one another out of concern, out of genuine concern and love for each other is, is unique to Christianity. And it's too often that we hear about or know of church leaders or those in other prominent positions of leadership who fall into sin. And what this reveals is that this leader who was not mature and unwilling to be transparent or vulnerable with his brothers, but it also indicates that those around him permitted him to live in that kind of isolation that allowed him to rationalize those kinds of sinful behaviors. The fallen leader is responsible. However, those close to him also share in some of the responsibility because those things don't happen overnight, nor do they happen in a vacuum. Every leader, every believer needs to be the focus of ongoing discipleship, growing spiritually. Every believer needs to be confronted at times. We need to be comforted at, by the gospel at other times. We need help to see what is able, what we're able, not help to see what we can't see on our own. And we need the love and encouragement to deal with those remnants of the old self that are still in our hearts. Um, and then along with that, we need to be willing to participate and invest in others' spiritual growth as well. <clears throat> Leaders need wisdom. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask who gives, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And while we have limits in many areas of life, there is an unlimited and abundant amount of wisdom available for us if we ask. We all need wisdom, lots of it, and we can have it if we ask him for it. And so leaders must care for themselves as well. And um, part of what I just want to clarify here uh, this morning with this, this message is that I am in no way suggesting that things should be easy for a leader. Rather, leaders, as all believers, we need to function and live within the parameters that have been established by God. And they should we as leaders should not be setting our own parameters uh, apart from what God has established. Uh, in fact, there's another sermon that I'm planning to do out in Ohio that would address this as well in more depth, but uh, the, the premise or the uh, a summary of this message is that leaders are called to serve, to sacrifice, and to suffer willingly. And so, in addressing these limitations that we have, I, uh, it is not a call to try to get by without uh, serving, sacrificing, or suffering willingly. It's within that context, but then also within the parameters that God has established. 1 Timothy 4, wrapping this up, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to the exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which is given you by prophecy 
when the council of elders lay their hands on you, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that you may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We are to keep a close watch on ourselves, on our limited abilities, our limited time, our limited energy, our limited spiritual maturity, and we're to take care of ourselves physically, getting our rest, honoring Sabbath rest, eating with discipline, exercise, just so emotionally, maintaining solid friendships, um, minimizing screen time or social media, getting out into nature, spiritually spending time in the word, meditating on what we've read, journaling thoughts and ideas, struggles and victories, prayer, Leaders do have limits, um, but they're God's limits, and they're placed there to, for our protection. And while these God-designed limits may feel restrictive, they really aren't. What I see these limits is that there are an opportunity for the body of Christ. Um, well, these God-given limitations provide the opportunity for the body of Christ to find good ways of working together to accomplish far more collectively than any of us have the capacity of doing individually. That's what God wants us to do. We simply can't do it ourselves, and we need to recognize these parameters, these limits that God has established, and work within them, embrace them, and then find ways of working together to do what God wants us to do. I'll turn the time back over to Nate to close as he sees fit.